waiting, all right, to get back to 1 Thessalonians. I'm looking forward to that, and I still think the message would be appropriate at this time. But we are at a different season in the year, and uh, uh, this is, believe it or not, well, if next Sunday's Easter, what, are the, what do we call this Sunday? Palm Sunday, all right? say, well, why do we call it Palm Sunday? Well, because it was just about a week before the death of Jesus Christ that he entered into Jerusalem. And John chapter 12 is going to talk about that event and what took place on that day. And this morning we'll have opportunity to look into that uh, wonderful story and, uh, and the message that God has for us. So let's pray. Ask God to give us his wisdom. Father, we need you today. We are uh, so thankful that uh, the Word of God has answers for life. It um, gives us hope. It gives us help. We're thankful that it challenges us. And today, I, I pray that we would find both hope and help from the passage and that we would be challenged from John chapter 12, that our lives would, not be, would be different, that they would be changed because of what we hear from the Word of God and uh, the, because we've pondered the truth of God. So we need your strength, we need your help, we need your understanding, and you to open our eyes to give us uh, your gracious understanding of your word. And we'll thank you for what you'll do, how you'll help us this morning for the glory of God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I, I take it, I, before I get into the message, i got to say this, thank you. To, for leading songs today, I'm I'm so thankful, and I suspect everyone just online was getting tired of seeing the same ugly face, just as everyone was in here. So it's nice to have, see a good-looking person, at least for part of the service, you know, rather than just the same ugly mug for the whole thing. So thank you very much for being here today and helping with that and uh, giving people a, a good-looking face to look at, at least for a little while. All right, so you're in John chapter 12. And, uh, and we're going to read from that in just a few moments. But let me share with you a story a preacher told about his experience. He said, my wife and I wanted to experience a New York City tip ticker tape parade, which, by the way, I understand are pretty amazing things. Well, uh, he said we had opportunity to do that when Desert Storm veterans were honored. This, again, was a, a while back. He said, we went with our girls. To avoid congestion, we took a bus. We made our way to the steep canyons of Wall Street. The streets were so crowded with onlookers, we were pretty much flat against the building uh, as we were moving along, at least trying to move along. Uh, and then we ended up actually inside an entryway. He said, this turned out to be a blessing, a good thing. When the troops came marching up the street, the crowd went wild. Cartons of paper and confetti were tossed out of windows. Uh, they threw real ticker tape. Get this, imported from Connecticut because Wall Street no longer uses real ticker tape. So there you go. There you have it. They threw stones, coins. Uh, they threw even uh, pieces of wood. And so these things are all going about. He said, That's why we were glad that we were in, you know, kind of under some cover and we were protected. He said, um, we never saw the soldiers. Well, because of the crowd. They couldn't see anything. He said, uh, there was a glimpse of helmets and a Patriot missile poked up. But he said this, the energy and joy was a sight to remember forever. I wonder what it's like in Jerusalem when Jesus came to town 
just about a week before the Passover. Guests had been swarming into the city of Jerusalem because it was time for the feast. It was time for the Passover. This is an important celebration. Uh, someone suggested, one writer suggested that the crowds swell tremendously during a time like the Passover or any other feast of Israel, especially, though, for the Passover, which is a major event as far as uh, the children of Israel and Jewish people are concerned. So crowds are, are coming in. They're gathering for the uh, for the Passover celebration, one writer suggested that there would be somewhere around a million and a half people in Jerusalem for this celebration. And uh, I don't know how he came to that conclusion or got to that number. That really doesn't matter. But what we do know, and we could tell you, is this, that Jews felt it an obligation to be in Jerusalem during the Passover. Jewish men aged 20 and over all Jewish men would make the trek, even if they couldn't bring their family, because this was an important feast. So there were hordes of people all around Jerusalem as they're getting ready for and as they're coming in from, from miles around to celebrate this wonderful event that's going to take place. Uh, the, event, the event, not necessarily Jesus Christ entering the city, because that wasn't the reason they came, but the Passover, which was vitally important to these people and to the Jewish nation, and rightfully so, because it represented what? God's deliverance of the children of Israel from the land of Egypt and from captivity. What a wonderful time it was for the people. So you can imagine then that there are masses of people all over Jerusalem and word is that this man, the healer, Jesus, the one who's been going around all over and creating quite a stir by miraculous works, by, by giving blind people sight, by helping lame people walk, by doing all sorts of things that have just been beyond imagination and no one had ever seen in their lives, lifetime. They hear that this Jesus is going to come and he's going to enter into Jerusalem. And so this is the day it happens in John chapter 12, starting in verse 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him, when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. That's what it sounded like on that day. I can't help but imagine that it must have been just about as exciting, if not more exciting, than the family that was able to see the ticker tape parade that day. What an exciting event as, as the people all come running out to greet Jesus, this wonderful healer, and the one who had done this miracle that no one has ever done before. They raised, he raised a, a man from the dead. What an amazing event. You know, the song says it very well. In fact, I, I can't get the tune out of my head. Maybe you've heard it before. Hosanna, loud Hosanna, the little children sang. Through pillared court and temple, the lovely anthem rang. 
to Jesus, who had blessed them close folded to his breast. The children sang their praises, the simplest and the best. From Olivet they followed, mid an exultant crowd, the victor palm branch waving and chanting clear and loud. The Lord of men and angels rode on in a lowly state, nor scorned that little children should on his bidding wait. Hosanna in the highest, that ancient song we sing, for Christ is our Redeemer, the Lord of heaven, our King. Oh, may we ever praise him with heart and life and voice, and in his blissful presence eternally rejoice. The words of the song aren't exactly accurate because it wasn't children necessarily that were singing this or crying this this statement. Although the truth of the matter is children, I'm sure, would have been gathering in and joining in as far as what was going on. The fact is all people had done it because the king of Israel had come. And by the way, he has. All power has been given unto him. And today we rejoice that he has indeed come. We called again this Sunday, Palm Sunday, in remembrance of that event that we just read here in John chapter 12. Five days before the Passover, when Jesus would give himself to die for the sins of the world. Verse 1 tells us that fact. It was six days when he came to Bethany, where Lazarus is, which had been dead. Uh, It was the next day, according to verse 12, that much people were come to the feast and they came to see Jesus. So fast before the Passover, Jesus is here. Um, now, when did Jesus die? Do you know when he died? He died on the Passover. Now, I, I, we haven't even gotten into our text necessarily this morning, but that's an, a significant, a significant point. He died on the Passover. Uh, you say, well, what's the significance? The Passover represented God's deliverance of Israel from captivity. His death celebrates his deliverance, his burial, his resurrection, his deliverance of all people who will call upon the name of the Lord from sin and from the change of sin and death. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful day. And what a wonderful event to look at and to think of as these people gather together and cry out, Hosanna. Um, in Egypt, the lamb was, was slain and his blood was sprinkled on the doorpost. Jesus' blood was shed that you and I might have eternal life. But in our text, the story of the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem and this event it's recorded in all of the Gospels. Every one of them wants to tell you and wants to remind you of this event. Therefore, there has to be some importance to it. And I want you to know the importance of it this morning. And I hope you'll be encouraged because, look, we serve the king today. He's alive. And he is the Lord of Lords. And he is the king of kings. And there will be a day when he sets up his kingdom on this earth. But this very day, today, this morning, we serve the king. What an encouraging message. And that was the message, actually, that these people were crying. So listen today, and let me share with you four or five different things from the word of God that I hope will be an encouragement and just remind you we serve a wonderful Savior. I want you to see, first of all, The prophecy he fulfilled. The prophecy he fulfilled. Now you might think that the triumphal entry uh, into Jerusalem isn't really necessarily a big deal because, well, the big deal is he died on the cross a a short time later. 
Well, I agree with you. The big deal is he died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again the third day, which we're going to celebrate next week and be reminded of. All right. But this event was a big deal as far as biblical history is concerned, as far as what God has to say in his word. Let me tell you the reason why. Because there are at least two, and I think actually we could probably argue three Bible prophecies that had to be fulfilled about the Messiah that were accomplished at this triumphal entry. Do you know that? Let me tell you something. If we don't have the triumphal entry, Jesus isn't the Messiah. You say, well, why? Because there were things talked about in the Old Testament that the Messiah would do that he wouldn't have accomplished except for the triumphal entry. So let me tell you that this event, days before the death of Jesus Christ, was important because it was part of all that had to be fulfilled before the Messiah could die because it was part of what the Bible said in the Old Testament. So let me share with you the, the importance of the prophecy he fulfilled. It was a necessary event. The triumphal entry is so important, not because it gave people an opportunity to say, Hosanna! Blessed is the, the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. It wasn't because he gave them a chance to do that, although it was right, right for them to praise him. It's far deeper than that. The Messiah had to fulfill the two events that took place here in this passage. Well, he said, what are the two events? Well, sh let me share the first. The first in order of placement in our text is what the people said. Notice, if you would, again, in verse 13, he says, they took branches of palm trees. They went forth to meet him. And what did they cry? Hosanna! Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. You say, well, what's that statement? Significant? Yes! Here we go. This, this is the day of significance. It was. It was vitally important. You say, why was it important? Well, if you were to take time this morning, and we don't have time, because I'll preach real long if we look everything up. In Psalm chapter 118, you can read about a passage where Jesus Christ is called, or the psalmist refers to Jesus as the cornerstone, the headstone, the stone that the builders rejected. You can read about that in Psalm 118. I think it is in verse, let me see, verse 22. The stone which the builders refused. Now, many believe that Psalm 118 in all the verses there, the whole chapter, but specifically starting in verse 22 and on through the end, that they are specifically a prophecy. It's one of the Messianic Psalms. It's a prophecy about Jesus Christ. And indeed, it is. And in Psalm 118, the Bible says this, Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Verse 26 says, Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. You realize that what the people said of Jesus on this day, even though they didn't know what they were saying necessarily, what they claimed and what they proclaimed and what they said was something that David prophesied would be true of the Messiah hundreds and hundreds of years before it ever took place. Let me tell you that the event here in, in John chapter 12 is vitally important because if this didn't happen and those words weren't said, the Messiah would not have fulfilled all that was written of him in the scriptures. But you know, it's not just that that took place that is important because there was another prophecy. In Zechariah chapter 9, in verse 9, the Bible says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Which, by the way, was fulfilled, wasn't it? Hosanna! It was fulfilled on this day. All right, why should we shout? 
He says, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly, and riding upon an ass. When did Jesus ride upon a donkey? Triumphal entry. You know, sometimes we look at events in Scripture and we don't understand why the significance. Why would all the writers mention it? Why would Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all write about this event? Because it was vitally important to the Messiah fulfilling all that was written of him. And so what these two writers, both David and Zechariah, share with us uh, were things that God said would happen to the Messiah, and without this event, they don't take place. It was a necessary event. That, but you know what else is interesting to me? Is that we learn even in this passage, it was a spontaneous event. You know what's interesting about the fulfillment of Scripture here? Is that no one knew they were doing it. That's, that's what's amazing about this. No one knew they were doing this. The people, when they cried this, they didn't know that they were actually fulfilling Scripture. At least as far as we know. And then if you look at verse 16, you read these words. These things understood not his disciples at the first. You know what? When Jesus sent a couple of his disciples, by the way, all the, the writers uh, give us, share different things about this event. And, and if you want to read them through, I'd encourage you this, this week to maybe take one day, one each day, one of the Gospels, and read through the triumphal entry. And you'll see different things that are brought out. And Jesus sent some of his disciples to go out and to find a donkey that he could sit upon, one where no man had ever sat before, which, by the way, I wouldn't think would be all that wise a thing. Do you? And yet, and yet God reminds us he was in control of the animal kingdom. So Jesus is able to sit on this donkey and ride in. And as a result, he fulfills what's written of him. But the disciples, when they got that donkey and then they had him riding out, they weren't saying, oh, yes, this is what the Bible says of him. They had no idea. Do you know when they knew? Later on. Probably when Jesus revealed to him that he fulfilled all that was written in the Old Testament and he opened unto them the scriptures. Do you, you, you read that after the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ when he uh, appeared again? So this was a prophetic event and it was vitally important to the fulfillment of scripture and Jesus fulfilled everything written of him. That's why we can say he's the savior. That's why we can say he's the king. Because Jesus fulfilled what was written of him, and this event was one of it. Now, let me share with you the proclamation they made. Not only the prophecy that he fulfilled, but the proclamation they made. Notice, if you would, what the people said. Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And it says they cried it. So this was not something where they were saying, you know, like, Hosanna. Eh, okay. They were excited about this. This was an event. This was a huge event. And this was an event that people were indeed excited about. I, I can't help when I was reading through that story and the, and the guy expressing what happened in the event as he was on Wall Street uh, for this ticker tape parade. I, I could only imagine that that was the kind of excitement and energy that was found in this place in Jerusalem as the people were just crying out. I mean, it was just the 
folks were were excited about the fact that they had opportunity to look at and to see this one and to talk about him and to share with others who he is. And so they cry out, even though they didn't know exactly what, what he was all about and they didn't understand a lot of things about him. They cried out on that day, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Well, let me share with you some of the things about that proclamation they made. First of all, it declared his purpose. You see, declared his purpose. Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Where do we find his purpose? Well, let me share that with you. Thank you thank you for asking this morning. I'm so glad that you're really into things here. All right? And I, I appreciate that. So let me share with you where we find his purpose. The word Hosanna. You say, what? Yes, the word Hosanna. Do you know what the word Hosanna means? Okay, save us. Uh, but let me, let me show you. The word is made up of two words that are of Hebrew origin. Yasha. There you are. That's about the best I can do because I have no idea how to. I didn't take Hebrew. What a rotten pastor. Didn't take Hebrew. All right. Yasha is the, the word. And you know what that word It means this free us. The second word in the, in the Hebrew is gnaw, and that means I pray or beseech. I beg you, free us! Hosanna! That's what the people were crying on that day. I beg you, we pray you, save us! Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. You say, well, well, why would Jews be crying that? They had no idea what they were saying. All they saw was an important man who they thought was going to be the king of Israel that God had written about in the Old Testament times that a Messiah would come. And their view of a Messiah was that he'd come in, he'd overthrow the governments and the rulers that they had over them, and he would be rule with a rod of iron. You've heard that before, haven't you? Old Testament talks about the fact that the Messiah will come and do that. And by the way, he will. And do you know, any Jew who knows his faith, and Jews know their faith, are still looking for that. They're still looking for the day when the Messiah will come. They're looking for the day when the Messiah will set up his kingdom, and he will. And they're going to find out he's Jesus, the one that they cried to that day. So what were they crying when they said, Hosanna? They weren't saying, die on the cross for our sins and free us, because they didn't understand that message. What they were saying is, overthrow the Roman government. And by the way, you got to know that wasn't a popular message, at least as far as the Roman government would have been concerned. Free us. Set us free. Oh, Lord, we beseech thee, King of Israel, free us from the bondage we're under. Because the Jews hated the Roman government. They hated any government over them. And they were looking forward to the day when the Messiah would come. And they thought him to be. Now, a few days later, they had a change of mind. But at this point, they saw him as the king who would free them right then. You say, I don't believe that. Do you know the disciples were asking Jesus about that after the resurrection? In Acts chapter 1, right before he went back to heaven, you know what they were asking him? When are you going to restore the kingdom? 
So when they cried Hosanna, they were crying and sharing with us his purpose. What was he coming to do? Let me tell you what Jesus was coming to do. Free them. He was. Now, they didn't understand how, how he was going to free them. And they didn't comprehend at all that what they would cry later when they said crucify him was actually what was necessary so that they could be freed. But when they cried that day, they proclaimed, they declared his purpose, even though they didn't know and understand that he would have to die. Because for Jesus to save them, he had to die on the cross for their sins. It declared not only his purpose, but it declared his position. Look, if you would, in verse 13, they cried, Hosanna, blessed is. And what do we see? The next four words. The king of Israel, his royalty. They proclaimed his royalty. There's a story about King George V of Britain. He paid a visit to the city of Leeds. And uh, when he did, elaborate preparations had been made for his coming. He came in on a train. He left on a train. Um, and crowds filled the streets to wave and cheer. Well, there was an elementary school. There was a school that was along the, the train route. And the king had agreed that he would come out when he was passing by the school and he would wave to the children. It was a big thing. It was a huge event. It was a major thing in, in that day. And so uh, he agreed to do that. Well, uh, the school children on that day, uh, when the, the uh, royal coach was to train was to pass by, um, they were all gathered. The kids were all gathered. The teachers were all gathered all along the wall of this playground to see the king. Well, um, when the king came out, of his coach. He didn't have any crown. He was dressed in a suit. He looked like an ordinary man. And from his jacket, he took a handkerchief and he waved to the young people. Well, the train passed by and the cheers subsided and the teachers heard a little girl sobbing. And one of them went over to this girl and said, why are you crying? And she said this, I wanted to see the king, but I only saw a man. You know, in that day of Christ, the people, um, at least a few days later, saw only a man. But we see the Christ, the King, the King of Israel, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Someday we're told in Scripture he will sit as king. Revelation 19 says this, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of wrath and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. You know, they didn't understand exactly what they were crying. They didn't know and they didn't understand that he was the king, but that the king had to die for the sins of the world. They didn't understand any of those things, but they cried out the truth that day when they cried out, Hosanna, he's the Savior, his purpose. The king of Israel has come, and he is indeed the king. And he is the one who someday will reign and rule on this earth. And I'll tell you, in this day of uncertainty, it's a, a wonderful encouragement to know there's coming a day when there won't be things like this. When there won't be war, uh, there, where there won't be there won't be the problems and the immorality and the other filth and trash that's going on in society. There won't be 
uh, great threats to the kingdom because the king will be on the throne. The king has come, folks. And what they cried that day was so true. So, uh, let me tell you, it declared his royalty, his position, his royalty. But also, they shared the truth that he was God's representative. Notice what they said, that cometh in the name of the Lord. This is a quote about the Old Testament Messiah. Uh, they may have believed at that moment he was the one that was a representative of God. A little bit later, they questioned that. But you know what they were saying on that day? A number of things. First, they were saying he was sent by God. They believed that. They also were saying that he had God's authority. He comes in the name of the Lord. That was the statement. That was the idea. In other words, that he is God's representative. And I'll tell you something, he was, and he is. He's not just God's representative. He's God come in the flesh. But he was God's representative. And that's how they would have understood him in that day. And as they cried out, they reminded us of the truth that his position is one of royalty, as one who represents God and one who is God. And then, in essence, they declared his person. He, uh, they said, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed is a, a, an indication of praise. It's a word. By the way, it's the word eulogy. You ever hear the word eulogy? Yeah, we hear it at funerals, right? Eulogy, wait a second, that doesn't sound right. You know, it means to say well of, to speak well of. In essence, it means to praise. So if a eulogy is given at a funeral service, the guy doesn't get up and say, oh, let me tell you about all the rotten things of this man. <laughs> right? You better hope that doesn't happen. Uh, and I, I, I well, I, I at least promise most of you that I would never do that, okay? Uh, but <laughs> I didn't mention any names, did I, Brother Umstead? Come on. I didn't mention any names here. All right. No, no, here, here's, the, here's the truth. At a eulogy, you say good things. You do. All, everything you say is good about a person. And so that's why they call it a eulogy. It's to speak well of someone. So when they said blessed, they were speaking well of him. In essence, they were praising him. Praise be the one, the king of Israel, who cometh in the name of the Lord. Are you seeing how important what took place on that day is? in biblical history, and as well to just remind us who we serve. And what was amazing about it is these people did not understand. But they were sharing a powerful message, a more powerful message that I could ever preach. Hosanna! Please save us! Blessed is the King of Israel! cometh in the name of the Lord. And in, all, in that one statement uh, sums up the whole ministry and life of Jesus the Christ, Savior of the world who came to die for us. Do you know the plan he shared? I want you to see the plan he shared. The plan was declared by the crowd. Again, going back to that word Hosanna, which means free us, we pray. Unknowingly, they expressed exactly what the Son of God would do in a few days. He would open the prison of sin. He would set them free. And that truth was declared by the crowd in verse 13. But even his disciples didn't grasp what that would require and what it would mean because the very day of his death or the day before his death, they were saying, you're not going to die. 
I won't leave you. I won't abandon you. And I'm going to stay with you. And you're not going to die. And stop telling people you're going to die. That's what Peter said. And the Lord had to tell him, get thee behind me, Satan. Because he didn't understand. He didn't comprehend the things of God, the things that be of God. Nor did these people, but the plan was shared by them when they declared that word Hosanna. I think that's powerful. But not only that, it was described by Jesus Christ. Now, it's not found necessarily in the text we read, but in verse 20 you read these words, And there were certain Greeks among them which came up to the worship at the feast. So this is right around that same time. He's made this triumphant entry into the city, and the people have cried and everything else. Some Greeks want to hear about and learn and see Jesus. And so they are introduced to Jesus, and he talks with them. And Jesus answered them, saying in verse 23, The hours come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And so he described, the crowd declared it, but Jesus Christ described what was going to happen. He told them very plainly what was going to take place. The Son of Man is to be glorified. You say, well, wait a second. That doesn't talk of his death. Well, look at the next verse. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verse 24, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Jesus was saying, I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to rise again. And there's going to be fruit that comes as a result of that. But he shared the very truth of what he was going to do and what he was going to accomplish. Look, if you would, at verse 27, because Christ said, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. What hour? The hour he had been talking about all along, the hour of his death. And so Jesus Christ himself made the statement, Hey, look. I am coming. I've come for this reason. And there's no way I'm turning back. And I can't ask the Father to stop it because it would be wrong. I came for this reason. Why? I came to seek and to save that which is lost. And the, the triumphal entry is, the, is the, if you would, the gateway that leads us to that very day and to that very event. And so Jesus Christ shared the plan. His plan was he was going to die for the sins of the world, for God so loved the world. This is what he shared with Nicodemus, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so God's message was shared. His plan was, was shared. The proclamation he made. Now you say, okay, pastor, big deal. Well, actually, it is a big deal. And everything we've shared is very important for you to know. But I'd like you to see two things about the proclamation that he made. Because when Jesus gave this message and when Jesus shared these things and when these things took place, uh, there is a natural result, there's a natural response that people should have to it. So what is the message? Well, look, if you would, toward the end of this chapter, because Jesus is still, again, talking, and he's, he's talking about the fact that there was a voice, well, there was a voice from heaven that was right after the Greeks had, had visited with him. But look, if you would, at verse 44. Jesus cried and said, and this is the, in the events now, he's made this triumphal entry, he's met with the Greeks, this is all, as far as we know, either in this day or in one or two or three days within that event. And here's what he said. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to 
save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. What Jesus spoke was the truth. And the truth was, believe on him. So what does the triumphal entry and, and everything else have to do with us today? And what does it mean to us? Well, certainly it was important because it, it ultimately fulfilled all that was written of Jesus so that we could say he is the Messiah. But it's important because it's a message that says, believe on me. It continually says, believe on me. I have fulfilled everything that's been written. And so believe what I've said. And not only that, because everything that I have said is what the Father has told me to say. I speak those things that the Father has given me. So believe on me. On me. The proclamation Jesus made was believe. Paul said it way well, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The message today from the triumphal entry should be, Hosanna! The cry of God's of, of people should be, Hosanna! Save us from our sins. And if you will call upon him, if you will believe on him, that is the message he preached here in this passage then God will do for you, Jesus will do for you what no man can do for you and you can't do for yourself. He'll save you. The Jews of that day had no power to overcome the Roman government. The Roman government was the power of the day. It was the power of the world, if you would. They had no ability to win that victory. The only way it would ever come is if a Savior came and brought that victory. Well, he didn't come to bring physical victory on the earth that day. That wasn't his purpose. He did come, though, as a king, as the king of kings, to fulfill what was written of him so that he could ultimately save them from eternal damnation and so he could save us. And so the message is today, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, well, pastor, you, you know us and you know that we've trusted in Christ. Well, I never, never want to take for granted something so important as your eternal destiny. Where you spend eternity depends on what you do with Jesus Christ, not your church membership, not baptism, not good works, not being a good person, not living a moral life. It depends on what you do with Jesus Christ because Jesus is the Savior. Save us, I pray. And Jesus did that very thing and provided it. But you have to believe, you have to receive, you have to accept what God has offered this gift of eternal life through the shed blood of Jesus Christ for your sins. So if you've never believed, that's the first message. But do you know there's another message actually found in this text and in these events? Because when Jesus preached in verse 24, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He then directed some, some instruction to his followers and to those who believed on him. And do you know what the message was? Serve him. The proclamation, believe him, believe in me. But there's another proclamation made, serve me. 
Look, if you would, at verse 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If a man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. You know what the message is to every Christian when we think of the triumphal entry and the events that took place there and who Jesus is and everything else? And as we think about the fact that he is the Savior and we've already believed, if you've already believed, then the, the message for you today from this passage is serve me. The grain of wheat is going to be put in the ground and it's going to die so that you can have life and bring forth fruit, eternal life. That's what Jesus said was going to happen. And he said, you know, if you believe in me, then you should live the same kind of life. What is it? Dying to self. Where I say, I serve the king. He is the savior. He is the Lord. And he deserves my best. And that message preached by Jesus to his disciples, no man, if any man serve me, let him follow me. So the message for us today, I think, is wonderfully encouraging, but also powerfully challenging. It's encouraging because what they cried that day, Jesus was and did. He saved. He's the king. But what Jesus also preached is that not only should we believe that, but we should live in light of it. And the one who is the king, the one who is to be, um, who is the Lord, the one who died and was buried and rose again, deserves the same kind of dedication from his people. So I'm part of the family of God, Pastor. What does the triumphal entry mean to me? I serve the king. So, you know what? I, I don't have to worry about what's going on. I really don't. I have to worry what's going on in this world. I serve the king, and he gave his all. I should give my all. So, do you believe that statement? Hosanna! Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. You believe that? Live it. Accept Jesus Christ if you have him. If you know him, serve him. Die to self. Because that's what the Lord did for us. He died to self. He gave himself. And he expects the same from his servants. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Uh, we haven't had a come forward invitation.